and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, Minute by Minute, or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buddery, and we have a guest with us this week, a relative of a previous guest. Welcome to the show, Megan Doe. Megan, how are you doing today? I am well, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. This is my first ever podcasting experience. Hooray! Oh. <laughs> what a what a great first podcasting experience, if I may say so myself. <laughs> um, the uh, very observant listeners um, may recognise uh, your surname. So we had your sister Katie on a few weeks back now, months back. I don't know how yes. time works. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's great to have you have you on as well. I know you can bring us some local insight as well this is a film that that means a lot to you both so very much looking forward to uh diving in as we always do uh before we get into the main conversation the jaws question so uh megan what is it about jaws that that you love so much that made you want to uh come on a a podcast (laughs) for the very first time yeah (laughs) Uh, it, it's a lot of things. It's the richness of of each of the characters. You're so drawn in from from the get go on who these people are and what drives them. The storytelling, you know, it's just it's a masterpiece, um, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my sister had said this, but the the authenticity of the setting, the fact that it was filmed on location, it has such a true, you know, Cape Cod and the islands feel. Um, and I don't, you know. Um, kind of beach areas can look so different across the country, even on the eastern seaboard. It it truly gives the reflection of, of the Cape and the islands. It's not something that would be easily replicable elsewhere. So it just, it feels so right from a setting perspective. Um, and then we're, we're also huge John Williams fans, and it's such a a classic and incredible score. I just, you know, um, I listen to the score all the time, even if I'm not uh, just watching the movie actively because I love it so much. Mm. Yeah, and I think maybe we we asked Katie this. I can't quite remember now, but is there with obviously you sort of uh, being sort of local to the area where Jaws was filmed? Is there is there something different about how the film is received in in that sort of area? Or is it something that people are particularly passionate about around there i know we've seen some of the the <laughs> merchandise and and things who sort of cashing in on jaws but um the, the feeling from people who are local is this a film that is sort of beloved by most of them really yeah it's very much a local favorite um you know martha's vineyard um i think is proud that it was filmed there they do they have a lot of jaws themed events and whatnot especially um for the anniversaries on the so i'm in and in Chatham on Cape Cod right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the local theater shows that um, certainly every 4th of July, but also throughout the summer. Um, and as you said, there's merchandise everywhere. Um, over the past decade or so, um, we, we have had an influx of white sharks in the area, given um, mm-hmm. um, a resurgence of the, the seal population here. Um, it's great. It's it's testament to recovery of the ecosystem. Seals are coming back, but now sharks come back. And um, it, it's a very active research area with the state and also a great group called the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. Um, they go out and tag sharks. Um, there's been um, over 100 sharks that have now been tagged over the past few years off of off of Chatham and, and the Cape Coast. So it's it's a huge it's a huge part of the Cape identity now, um, having these sharks around. So um, Jaws is always very much top of mind. Mm. That's really well encouraging to hear that particularly the anniversary of Jaws is is celebrated <laughs> because 
we are planning <laughs> all being well to be there for uh, the 50th anniversary 2025 so absolutely uh, I'm, I'm assuming we'll we'll see you there as it's you know down the road <laughs> absolutely yeah I was just um I was just there over the summer visiting a friend who grew up there and I went to Jaws Beach mm. I saw the the bridge you know you can sand at the point um where the girl is pointing at the shark in the pond so it's it's a great spot to, to check out for sure um for jaws lovers mm-hmm. yeah might be relying on you to be our local tour guide absolutely yes. yeah yeah <laughs> for sure because i've i've looked up sort of like all the filming locations and stuff and it seems like everything is like pretty easy to to find but actually i guess my final question around that is do they sort of have like the jaws tours is that something you can you can do or that they is like a guided thing or do people just find the places and 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 do their own thing you know i'm not sure about that i would guess that in non-covid times there are some some people who would do tours like that there must be um Mm -hmm. i'm happy to check into it get Mm, back to you okay I have so many questions, but <laughs> before, we, before we get sidetracked planning our 2025 trip, uh, we, will, uh, we will get stuck into talking about this week's scene, which is a very short scene, so only 45 seconds this week. Uh, the timestamp is from 1 hour 34 minutes and 45 seconds to 1 hour 35 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, so we have uh, they've they finished singing. Uh, Indianapolis speech is done. We are past that, um, and this is the moment when the shark is really sort of starting to attack the orca. Um, there's a lot of crashing around, things falling out of cupboards, uh, lamps dropping, fires, all very dramatic uh, and a lot packed into these uh, 45 seconds. Um, we see the the trio sort of um, leaping into action. Uh, and it finishes just as uh, just after Hooper says he ate the light, uh, which is a great line. Um, I'm sure we will talk about all of the great things in this scene. There's not huge amounts of dialogue, but what there is 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 really, really great and plenty to talk about. So as our guest, uh, Megan, you get to go first. So anything that you noticed or particularly enjoyed about this moment oh yes i have i have quite a number of things on my list um just very (laughs) quick quick point i wanted to uh give a shout out to richard dreyfus's impressive table jumping skills he's very (laughs) nimble yes and um and i I think it's a really nice touch uh from a character perspective because it's another way of uh being able to show how comfortable hoover is on boats like, if you watch mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus doing that, you absolutely believe he's done that before in a different galley, in a different boat. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it looks so natural for him. I don't know how many times he must have had to uh, uh, practice that. But I just, I love that little, that little moment. Yeah, I think yeah. It, it bolsters the character having com- competed in the America's Cup, right? Because that's mm-hmm. a sailing competition. And when you're sailing like that, you have to be able to make really on the fly adjustments really yeah. quickly without thinking about it. And also you need to be able to, um, we don't know what, you know, where in the hierarchy, I guess he, he was on those teams. Um, but if you're not the captain, you know, you've got to be listening at the right. drop of a hat to follow those orders. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he immediately jumps into action. Like you said, like he's done this before. Hmm. Yeah, I guess this this is um, cutting back to a, a little bit in last week's scene, but um, obviously it does lead on nicely, is that we noted then that Quint is the the first person to sort of hear the the shark or, or something attacking the boat, and he is the one who stops singing first, and he is closely followed by Hooper. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Brody sort of giving the, the solo performance of, of showing you the way to go home by the end. Um, so that, again, I think is just a... A great way of of showing sort of you know who has <laughs> the most experience with with boats and in situations like this i mean quint is obviously having just spoken about what happened on the indianapolis he is almost sort of hyper aware of every noise and every interruption that is uh that is you know breaking the silence or, or breaking the the sound of their singing and you know that we had the sound of the whale before and he's sort of very very aware of what's going on but hooper being next to to stop um and pause and sort of look at quint 
uh, ready to take the action is I think very yeah very significant and that jump over the table is is so great I think that was the pause on or that was where we left it on last week's scene <laughs> like uh, Hooper is like mid jump jump over the table yeah so, <laughs> so I did have to go back to give it its full uh, its full full justice because yeah. uh, he is uh, yeah very nimble as as you said in, in leaping over the table yeah uh, another another point that I wanted to bring up um, is the round the, the setup of the boat itself um, so I, I love mm-hmm. to sail um i'm on boats a lot and um you know i think on the one hand it's fantastic set design that boat looks so lived in um and lived in for a long time i think whoever whoever designed that it was incredible but um you know a huge a huge basic uh practice of safety and boating is that when you're preparing to go underway in a boat you should be stowing everything properly everything should be secured you know um, shelving closets should be closed and locked. And what you see here is that, you know, everything is just out in this boat. Things go clattering after the shark hits, um, the closet comes wide open, you know, there's extra wheels, pots and pans falling out. There's glass bottles on the countertops. So it's, um, it's a very messy boat and it suggests that, you know, even though Quint you know, goes fishing for sharks on a common basis. The, the shark ramming this boat here is obviously not um, a, something that, that Quint normally um, uh, kind of sees because if that, if that was what he was doing day to day with sharks, his boat wouldn't be that messy. So it kind of mm. evokes the idea that this is not something typical that, that, Quint, um, <laughs> that Quint has to deal with with normal <laughs> sharks. And, um, mm. you know, not to get too far ahead or spoil anything, but what's interesting, <laughs> what ultimately dooms Quint in the end is an unstowed air tank rolling over his hand, which forces him to let go of the shelf. So the moral of the story, I think, is you have to take boating safety seriously. Otherwise, you'll get chewed by a shark. Mm-hmm. You know, Tiny if he had stored, boat. if he had stored the <laughs> air tank, he wouldn't have lost his grip. <laughs> This is very, very true. Yep. Uh, tidy boat, tidy mind. There you I go. Believe is <laughs> saying that we can tidy we can boat, for this, not but... bitten in head. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> even even better. Um, yeah, I I really <laughs> I really love that shot of everything just falling out of the cupboard uh, <laughs> because. The stuff that is in there, I paused it as well. So if you spotted anything else, like feel free to shout. But there's like a like a spare ship wheel in there. There's some tins. There's a frying pan. Like there's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. in that cupboard, and it is not secure. It is just all kind of slapdash and and piled on top of the other. And it's it. Quint needs Marie Kondo basically <laughs> to come and organize <laughs> the orca because it is very very untidy. But what I appreciate about the the set design, I think of of the orca, is how it is like an extension of Quint's cabin, and we get sort of um, I noticed when it shows like the glass bottles rattling on the on the counter. There's like some tins of soup as well, and I believe it's the same brand of soup that we see in um in quint's cabin and we we spoke then about how sparse his his shelves were and you know he literally did sort of tins of of stuff and uh cans of ganser and and some bottles and that was pretty much all he had there and and that's the same on the orca as well so i like this idea of the two things sort of being being the same and and that's actually a very good point you made as well megan that um the the shark doing this is something unexpected it's something that quint is not prepared for because if if they had expected the shark to be ramming the side of the boat then i think even quint for all his faults and potential messiness um he would have been better prepared and made sure that things were were stowed away because it's for their safety at at, at the end of the day and it's uh yeah a very good observation as well about what what happens with with Quinn and I can't wait to get into the significance <laughs> of the thing that being <laughs> the sort of what uh, makes Quint lose his grip is is the the oxygen mm-hmm. tank because there's so much in that that we will absolutely get to when we when we get to that scene but 
yeah did you guys spot anything else uh insane in the in the set design or in the cupboard uh he's he's got a lot of stuff going on in there <laughs> um i just want to know what's in the bottles next to the uh little <laughs> stove top like is that mm-hmm. that's got to be his moonshine right like yeah home yeah break. there's gotta yeah. be some of the moonshine in the boat yeah, yeah. That's that was the big thing I noticed. Is I was like, oh, there's there's glass bottles right next to the thing. Um, that's mm. his cooking drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very. I mean, I'm sure I certainly do, and I don't know about you guys, but I think I feel like everyone has like a cupboard or a drawer or a box or a room or something in their house where all the stuff that doesn't have a place is just kind of shoved um this is quint's version of that so yeah it's yep. very relatable <laughs> <laughs> comes in, I yeah feel. I mean, it's, cr- yeah, it's incredible my... it was florida ceiling stuffed it's... <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah my mom calls that the uh the whatnot place because it's just where you put whatnot like <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a good name for it yeah <laughs> i love how calm Quint is about all of this. Uh, (laughs) I mean, just immediately start the engines. Uh, He's trashed in that scene. He slurs it out. (laughs) But uh, then the boat catches on fire. And Quint's just like, hey, can you you get that? (laughs) I mean, his his food delivery might as well have just showed up. Whereas is how nonchalant (laughs) he is about putting out the fire and it's so it's it's funny and it's interesting to me because i think that there is a certain type of personality it's actually the most i relate to quint because if there's an emergency situation i tend to do this a lot um particularly with my family um where oh someone you know someone's hurt someone needs to go to the hospital someone you know whatever I'm the one who's like, you do this, you do this, I'm going to call the 911 or whatever. Um, I really tend to thrive in an emergency situation, which tells me that I would have made probably an all right uh, sort of medical professional if I wasn't as lazy as I am. But uh, yeah, I totally understand Quint's like, all right, um, there's definitely an emergency happening. So I'm going to be as calm as possible because we need to make this emergency not happen anymore. (laughs) I agree for sure. I think, um, I think at at different points through this scene, they all display um, a a real sense of calm, which you wouldn't expect if, Mm -hmm. if you're on a boat that's being attacked by a shark in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even as you said, when, when the boat catches on fire, Hooper is, you know, he's at the helm. He turns around and looks at the fire for a couple of beats. And then he just turns back to what he's doing. <laughs> and he he doesn't lose his head over that. Even Brody, you know, he, he falls down in the water, which is going to be shocking and scary for him. But even he settles down. You know, he kind of goes into to police chief mode. And it, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's really neat to see them all kind of cool and collected despite what they have to be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, Brody freaks out when he touches the water, and I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I always thought, like, that's... I don't know, maybe in the past, before I had a minute-by-minute breakdown podcast um, of of Jaws, I've always thought, like, oh, he's, like, really overreacting in that scene, but going into it in the level of detail that we have and talking all about this phobia of, of the water and trauma associated with that, it's... Uh, I mean, it's still quite a lot. He is like shrieking. Yes. It's, it's, fairly, <laughs> it's a fairly reasonable reaction given given the context. But what is interesting is what he does after that. As you said, Megan, he sort of like is able to switch quite quickly back into into cop mode. And I feel like 
past Brody, even Brody of like a few days ago on the Orca wouldn't have been able to do that. Like he has gone through some stuff to sort of get him to this point now where yes, like you fall down and suddenly your back is wet. You don't expect that when mm-hmm. you're in a boat or you would at least hope that that wouldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> happen whilst you're in a in a boat. If you if you fall down in a boat and suddenly you're, you know, <laughs> up to uh, well i say it's it's like an inch of water it's really yeah, not it's... a lot but you know if you feel any amount of water you're probably like well something is is not going well here right. um but he he gets up and then he isn't sort of like he was earlier like what do i do what do i do uh, you know how do we do how do we do this he like goes for for the radio the the thing that cop brody in a situation yeah. that feels like it is getting above his station he would call for backup mm-hmm. he would call for help um so i think that is a really great really significant moment um and the the calmness i think of the the way quint has, it is funny the way the way he is so calm about the fire um it does make me laugh but also that calmness i think quint recognizes that that is that that is needed in that moment like brody has just sort of had like a minor freak out as he <laughs> as he fell back into the water so if he was like you know yelling at him like brody put out that fire like it would when someone is like panicked and speaking like that it just has an impact on the other people and would make Brody feel more panicked and that is not what is needed in that situation they need to put out the fire they need to get the engine started and they need to you know catch this shark so (laughs) Quint is very like mission mode um and knows that being calm in that situation is is what they all need really yeah, he's also got so much experience. Quint has so much experience with this where, you know, I mean, it's it's his military training kicking in too, right? Like they are supposed mm-hmm. to be trained to where stuff like this you don't think about. Like mm-hmm. it's so second nature um, to him that he's just like, we got to get this done. It's so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> another thing that I, i noticed uh in this bit is so brody brody get when he falls down the water he then gets up picks up the radio knocks over the lamp quint looks at brody and he and then he looks up and then we see the lamp fall so what i am trying to say is that quint is matilda and can move things with his eyes because that lamp does not fall until quint looks up at it I really <laughs> was expecting that sentence to go there. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think Quinn absolutely knocked the lamp off <laughs> with his eyes, with his, brain. With his yeah. Matilda powers. Yeah, I mean those. Yeah, those are serious eyes. They could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Piercing. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that that actually God, I'm so annoyed I'm following this thread, but uh I mean that goes to show like Quint doesn't want the radio to be used. So he this is him blocking Brody from radioing for help and then later in the movie he just destroys the radio. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is phase 1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The look on his face when he uh when he says, Chief, put out the fire, will you? Is just like, it's all coming together. <laughs> like, this is your one warning. I mean, th- <laughs> somewhere in this, there is a, a slightly more uh, intelligent point, um, which we see later when, when he does destroy the, the radio. And... I mean, the the other interaction that we've had with the the radio is when Quint takes the call from Ellen, um, and is basically just like, "Yeah, everything's everything's fine. We're just you know fishing. We'll be home for dinner, like cheerio sort of thing." Um, and then there's this bit where he you know sort of with his magic eye powers um, stops Brody from from radioing out, and then when Brody again later goes to to reach for the radio which is the thing that he 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 knows to to do which is you know like i was just saying about calling back up um he you know quint comes along and destroys it so (laughs) it's like a a a threefold plan uh 
Quint is playing the long game with this radio. I was like, yeah. <laughs> really trying not to be distracted by the screenshot that you just put in the Discord, MJ. <laughs> He's so satisfied that that happened. That grin. Oh, yeah. I... <laughs> he knows what he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I'm so glad that Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman were my <laughs> neglect, <laughs> neglectful parents. And I love, I love how confused Brody looks at the fire on the ground. Because if you're looking around, the boat is not knocking around much at that point. There's no reason for the lamp to just jump off <laughs> the wall. Yeah, further proof. Further exactly. proof. Yeah, actually, I mean, both both Hooper <clears throat> and Brody look fairly yeah. surprised to see something on fire. And Brody is the one who leaps into action as, as Hooper is preoccupied trying to start the boat, which they're <clears throat> struggling with. But yeah, it's <laughs> I, I can't get past this point now of, of Quint being Matilda. Yeah. It's really it's really funny to me. <laughs> he's Jesus. He's Matilda. He's a Vietnam soldier. He's <laughs> He's a ghost. <laughs> He's a ghost. <laughs> Quint uh, is all things to all people. <laughs> <laughs> Quint's whatever you need him to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. There you mm-hmm. go. Very room of requirement, Harry Potter kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. yep. <laughs> so dumb. Um, <laughs> so, dumb. <laughs> so, so dumb. I did uh, have uh, a slightly more intelligent... <laughs> to make in my notes um i would like to talk about the the sound design in this scene because Mm -hmm. i think it is really quite excellent um and just one of the things that i i noticed and i only noticed uh watching watching the clip this time around is that the it's i think the sound of the bottles that are on the, the side the the moonshine bottles um the way they're sort of rattling around it sounds like the ringing bell, um, which is the sound that we hear, um, I believe, after Chrissy yeah. is attacked on the <clears throat> on the boy, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's quite an ominous sound. This sort of like bell bell ringing. We hear it at, at other points as well. There's a bell on the orca, um, which I think when Hooper is in the in the cage or sort of they're trying to winch him up or something, we hear the bell ringing then, and then obviously we have that. Uh, quote earlier in the film about ringing ringing the dinner bell so this sound of a bell ringing uh, is something that we hear a lot in the film and is associated with sort of the shark about to attack or having just attacked and I like that they recreate that sound almost with the kind of clinking bottles I just think it was a, a really really cool effect but yeah there's so the sound mix in this is very very loud uh for a start i listened to it on my headphones just before we started recording and thought i had my volume much much higher than normal, so loud. I, I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so it's so loud and so great just yeah great work <laughs> yeah i mean the, here's the thing this is i am not going to mince my words about this if you don't think jaws is a horror movie you're straight wrong and like just get out of here <laughs> with that opinion like this is this is this is horror movie 101 scene like mm-hmm. this is in every slasher movie ever i mean yeah. put put on any choose any slasher movie and you get this scene in scream it's at the beginning of the damn movie you know like it it just feels so much like the template for all the slasher movies that came after it. Um, And especially when the light goes out and everyone's just like, well, (laughs) it's dark now. What do we do about this? (laughs) Um, You know that, I mean, it's, it's borderline out of place in a a movie like this, but it works so well. Um, And it just, it, I think to me, especially watching this scene out of context, like it is uses so much of the like the the language of the modern horror movie in particular, um, you know, from Halloween forward, I would say uh, that it's and then if you include the the first shark perspective at the beginning of the film, which, you know, was taken from Black Christmas as well, uh, you can 
you can just trace a direct line to it. Like it's, it's the film is not out of place in that lineage of slasher movies, even though you don't really, you know, obviously shark's not brandishing a knife except for the, you know, hundreds in his mouth. Um, <laughs> mouth knives. I believe that's what they call teeth, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> that's a really interesting point. I'm not, I'm not a horror person. Um, so I'd never, thought about the scene that way but you're absolutely Mm. right in the way it sets it up Mm. it's such a it's such a common thing in horror as well i mean i am also not a big horror person so i don't sort of have my list of other films that use this but it's just a common horror trope right the 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 light being snuffed out or you know a candle being snuffed out in a in a ghost story it's that sort of like minimum amount of light and then suddenly it's it's gone and light is associated with with safety and warmth and you can see things when it's when it's light and then it's you know it's it's turned out or it's extinguished and suddenly that's where all the dark scary things can hide in in the dark because we can't see them so the we spoke about the light a lot in the the scene when they're sort of comparing scars and the way it's like swinging back and forth so this light has been uh, a big part of the last few scenes in sort of creating yeah. this this sense of atmosphere and we spoke about that a lot on on the past uh, episodes and it's really yeah it's 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 still obviously there and present in this scene and i really like that buzzing sound that it it makes just before it goes out the sort of static uh like crackling kind of sound again that is just straight out of a out of a horror film and that's me saying that who doesn't <laughs> who doesn't watch that many horror films but even i know the the sort of tropes that they that they rely on to to create scares so i i will defend this point with you mj i think people who are like jaws isn't a horror film i think that they're wrong <laughs> yeah i mean even the <clears throat> the sound of of like the it's almost like the knocking the pounding on the the door of the killer mm-hmm. trying to get in like everything about it is just signals so, so much the horror movie and yeah even the <clears throat> the sound disappearing while the killer cuts the power to mm-hmm. whatever i mean that happens in even the worst of them by which i mean halloween kills like there's <laughs> there's a scene in that movie where michael myers is pounding on a door and then it stops and they're like where'd the sound go and then the power gets shut off and mm-hmm. is that it's just this it's the same scene <laughs> and it's in all of them i mean it, it's so it's it's so funny to me to watch this sort of like convention become to happen in a movie that is so has so little in common actually with those movies like that like uh the the like to be sure the 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 violence and the, the you know the the gorier bits of jaws they're not out of place in the film and they, they add to the story, but it's not the focus the way, like if you watch a Halloween or a Friday the 13th, like you, you kind of just, you just can't, you just kind of want to see people get stabbed to death. And like, <laughs> you know, that, that's, kinda, that's why you're watching that is for like an action sequence, essentially. Um, mm. And that's not why you're watching Jaws, but it's this interesting byproduct of the nature of what, uh, you know, the creature is. Hmm. Going back to our, the what we spoke about earlier about the the cupboard sort of door springing open, we hear like the sound of of knocking, but it is the shark or something. Obviously, we don't we don't see the shark, but we assume it is the shark sort of banging into the to the side of the boat. But we hear that knocking sound when we see the door as well. I mean, it's not long before it then sort mm. of crashes open. But sharks. Uh, Sharks don't have knuckles. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but they can't knock on doors. <laughs> so it's just a really, I just really like how it combines the sound with what we're seeing to recreate those things that we're used to seeing in other horror films, like the, you know, the the serial killer sort of like banging on the banging on the door, or you know, you get it in all the sort of like home invasion yeah. films as mm-hmm. well, right? Uh, and getting that in in jaws and in this scene i mean this is a really underrated scene i think in terms of like pure horror and it is only 45 seconds that we are talking about here but it ticks all of the boxes i mean the 
the sort of crashing sound design like you get a lot of those sort of loud noises in horror films particularly when it's reaching for a for a jump scare um we get the score coming in a little bit as well which is very ominous we get this light thing with the light being there and then not being there the not being able to see the you know the attacker as well we we can't see the shark in this scene it's just everything that the film has taught us so far is to assume that it is that it is the shark um so yeah there's there's so much just Mm -hmm. (laughs) just in this in this little bit that you can say you know use this scene as an example i think of you know people who are like jaws isn't a horror film or that it (laughs) loses its horror aspect in the back half because i think a lot of people say yeah the first half of jaws when they're on amity is you know it is the 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 killer sort of going around attacking as as many people as possible and then the back half of the film is more like a you know the sort of adventure film and it is that at times as well but there are still moments and this is a great example of that yeah and i love the sequencing too of of the past few scenes where you know during the daytime they're out on the boat they're feeling relatively secure um they've been jabbing at the shark now it's nighttime and it's the shark's turn to jab at them uh, and it just kind of repeats it, I, I really like the the symmetry of that you know what that's a really interesting point um <clears throat> most of this stuff happens at night it is uh well i guess it's 50 50 you could say anyway um <laughs> I feel like he kind of lifted that from The Exorcist, where in that movie, during the daytime scenes, stuff's pretty all right. Like, not a lot of the spooky stuff happens during the daytime scenes. And then the nighttime scenes happen. That's where all the, like, the exorcist-y stuff happens. And that's like, (laughs) this is where it gets the most horror adjacent or full-on horror is here at night, uh... One, on the orca with him trying to get in the boat. But two, uh, the Ben Gardner jump scare also happens at night, um, which mm-hmm. are the two, I would say, the two most horror, like traditionally horror elements. Not that, you know, Chrissy's death is, and Chrissy's death happens pretty late at night, late night, early morning, like on the cusp of that. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Kittner happens, like, that scene isn't as horrific as Chrissy, right? Like, it's it's pretty quick. Um mm-hmm when that happens and the same with the guy with the severed leg like that those those attacks aren't as on full display as the chrissy scene when there's not a i mean there's the leg which is gross but there's not a jump scare attached to it like there is with ben gardner and then there's not the you know the um true real traditional like trying to get in the house uh scene until nighttime Mm -hmm. so um i almost wonder because i i feel like that movie set the template of like Daytime is like character stuff. Nighttime <laughs> is spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think you can add in the um, the Charlie and, and Den Herder scene as well, oh, yeah. which is yeah, one that I always come back to in terms of it's a really frightening scene. And I think that the comedic elements of that was sort of, you know, the holiday roast and, and these two chumps who have come out to try and uh, to try and catch the shark with not the right equipment at all let's face it um i think that sort of overshadows like how how scary that scene is and Mm -hmm. and the i can't remember if it's oh it's charlie isn't it because swim charlie swim yeah um when he's in the water he is like screaming and 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 thrashing around and that bit when we don't see the shark but we see the the sort of the bit of the dock and the way that turns around and the the sound that accompanies it and just that's such a great shot <laughs> that bit where the where the doc just turns as yeah. well that again is like is 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 pure horror and i think it jaws me gets the the balance right i think and it's it's not all the bad stuff happens at at night because you know you've mentioned the attacks that do happen during the day but i think particularly these sort of really suspenseful moments tend to happen happen at night you know the sort of the one really big jump scare of the film this bit as well i mean i the banging sound is is so loud that i think that if you weren't expecting it i think you could class this as a as a jump scare as well i mean it's hard for me to say that because i've seen this film so many times (laughs) but 
I I vaguely remember seeing it uh, when I went to see it at the cinema with some people who had never seen it. They jumped at this bit and they jumped at the bit when the shark sort of burst through the window as well. And, and that oh, yeah. bit has never made mm-hmm. me jump because I've always just seen it coming um, and can't quite remember the, my very first viewing of it and whether I, I jumped as well. But yeah, there's th- these bits sort of when the you know the the shark starts like banging into the into the side of the boat if you're not expecting that to happen it it does you know it does scare you so i think that it it really works certainly in this in this bit but yeah interesting thinking about the sort of what happens during the day and what happens during the night and what that means it's yeah um exorcist pioneered that and then conjuring 2 just took that wholesale (laughs) like i mean it's like not even shy about it um which is really funny like the first time i saw it i was like oh they they literally just like copied the structure of that movie for the for this one Mm. yeah and then midsummer is like daylight all the time oh yeah Yeah. never not daylight (laughs) and still horrifying yeah (laughs) oh boy yeah (laughs) Yeah, well, and then Hereditary is just horrifying all the time, no matter the, the time of day. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into Hereditary with sharks again. Cause... <laughs> right, right. Still a very funny thing. No, this is, this is Halloween with sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Even though it predates uh, Hereditary, or Hereditary Halloween by two years. 79 yes. 78 78 uh no clue 78 <laughs> no. i think is when halloween came out halloween maybe um, 78 okay three years so yeah carpenter had a long time to just like lift a bunch of stuff out of jaws and <laughs> he did he yeah. sure did if you're gonna uh, lift from something lift from the best Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it's funny that you can kind of trace, especially, like I said, this the modern horror formula, you can kind of trace all of it back to Jaws and, <clears throat> excuse me, Jaws and The Exorcist. Like, those are the two that, those formulas are just like what everything else was that <laughs> going forward, just such a, you know, and both those films definitely, uh, pun, pun intended for at least 50% of it, represented like a sea change of of, uh, like what you could get away with on screen especially like you know exorcist in 73 like that's two years before jaws and like i feel like jaws is pretty like envelope pushing as it is in 75 and exorcist in 73 is just like I can't imagine seeing something like that in 1973 that would be the the scariest thing ever I mean it's a scary movie now but um, you know, you you those are the two that that going forward you can be like, oh, it's like in The Exorcist. Oh, it's like in Jaws, and and it's everyone's fine with it because, like you said, if you're gonna steal from something, steal from the best. <laughs> yeah. Does I had a question actually that I didn't get the time to, to research myself. This sort of like he ate the light thing. It's really, obviously it's familiar to me because I know this film like the back of my hand, but does Spielberg do this in any of his other films? Because it feels like the sort of thing he did in Jurassic Park, but it's been a minute since I've seen that. I mean, there's like the, there's bits where like the power is cut and stuff. Yeah, Jurassic Park for sure. I mean, there's the the, the part where they have to go restore power to the facility, right? Like Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah. and then the, the, the arm comes down. Is it Samuel L. Jackson's arm that comes down yep. over yes. LA? Yes. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, he does he does a lot of the same <laughs> the same tricks yeah. in Jurassic Park as, <laughs> as it al- he does Jaws. This this scene also I always think of um Raiders of the Lost Ark when mm-hmm. you know they're in the kind of arc tomb and marion is yelling you know indy the light is going out oh yeah very similar yeah good point yeah he i, I feel like a lot of the the big like high adventure stuff he's done like i i mean i think you could trace some of it to to there's some it's been so long but it feels like especially because 
this movie's a little mean um, in some spots, and Temple of Doom is really mean the entire movie. Uh, it feels like there's probably some similarities in between those two as well. But it's been so long yeah. since I've seen that movie that I can't, I can't. It just feels similar in tone. No, I want to talk about the performances in in this. I mean, we we don't get you know we've just had the big speech from from quint and sort of the moment with with all three of them so we don't have anything uh quite like that and it is a it is a very very short scene but i particularly want to talk about uh and it sort of relates to to the light thing that we're saying now that shot of roy scheider sort of looking up um just as the the light is starting to starting to flicker out he has i mean we talk about his great face acting all the time but he just has such such an expressive face face and i just really like the the shadow that the the light is is casting on him in that moment and it looks completely different to how we saw the light falling on his face when he was sort of stood stood in the shadows and and listening to quint and hooper having their little moment but it's just a great shot and another great example of jaws being able to convey so much without without putting the words to it (laughs) you can just sort of like see the the fear on his face but it's not it's not the panic that we have seen from Brody at other times it's just the sort of like he's looking up at it and he's almost just like here we go (laughs) like he knows something bad is about to is about to happen um and just sort of says all of that on his face I think it's just such a it's such a great look but i don't know if you guys had any any sort of bits sort of with the with the characters particularly like delivery of lines or any expressions or anything that sort of stuck out to you i would just echo that i i love this scene both you know right before when the light is still on and then the lighting afterwards when you can't see their faces anymore but you you Mm. still get such an understanding of how the characters are feeling just by how they're carrying their bodies you know, Quint just walks matter-of-factly through the shot. Um, Hooper and Brody, you can see, are both just, like, uh, kind of frustrated, a little overwhelmed, but ultimately, like, in business mode. Um, I also love the just the quick interplay um, when Quint is looking at the engine room and he turns to Hooper and says, pump her out, and then not a beat goes by until then Hooper Mm -hmm. says done I just I Mm -hmm. love how in sync they are in that moment Mm -hmm. yeah that's uh I was gonna bring that up to you it's there I mean all pretense has melted away from this right like there's there's no power plays there's no um you know one-upsmanship happening it's like we gotta you know get this done and get this done quickly and like we're gonna work together to make it happen Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is like the um the group dynamics thing again isn't it mj that you've Mm -hmm. spoken about like these these two are now so in sync that it's you know hooper has already done the thing that that (laughs) that quint has has asked him to do um just sort of intuitively almost and it's there's no there's no resistance like there was previously or or hooper trying to do things his own way or um you know one-upmanship like you said that that has all sort of fallen away and that is necessary that sort of change in their relationship and there's it's it's not without trouble going forward because quint becomes quite deranged in a (laughs) in a few scenes time and there is a sort of like a um a sort of brief physical altercation between them but at least in in terms of you know operating on on the orca or operating like as a as a group as a team they really all seem to have found their feet now in, in what they're doing i mean brody is still like a a little bit not sure what to do i i like that very brief moment of when it's almost in complete darkness and you sort of just see their their outlines and um <laughs> brody and hooper sort of like have a like well you're going going this way you're going this way sort of moment um where they're trying to get past each other whereas hooper and and quint sort of move around each other quite quite easily so i think there's still like a small sense at least to, to me of, of brody trying to 
find his place exactly uh in in all of this but he's 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 getting there (laughs) yeah um for me it's i mean he ate the light is hilarious it's it's (laughs) such it's so classic hooper um yeah but i really like when they bump into each other and (laughs) they say excuse me (laughs) um i really love that line uh because it's so it's so human like in in a lot of these horror movies they take the the shortcut to the most kind of either spectacle which is either you know the jump scare with the kill after the light goes out or like the person just screaming at the top of their lungs and running away but here they like they still have stuff to do like they're still they still have to pump out the boat they still have to deal with the fire a little bit or at least the fallout from that so they're still like trying to work in the in the dark and uh it's just super funny that they're like i don't know let's fucking go out to the front of the boat i guess <laughs> yeah it's very uh it's very polite it's very british i uh <laughs> I, can re- I can relate to this sort of like even in this uh very tense situation to sort of be Hooper being like excuse me <laughs> I just I yeah. love I just I love he says it with such I don't know what the right word is but it's he just like draws out the excuse me a little bit and I just I love it <laughs> just yeah. a little bit so, dramatic <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic Hooper <laughs> I want him to go full Steve Martin on it <laughs> So, Sarah, you're saying that they would have been served better if they would have formed an orderly queue? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And just apologize profusely to each other for about 30 minutes. (laughs) No, you go first. No, 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 no. You. (laughs) Because if, yeah. Uh... If my friends who have visited the UK are to be believed, it's just nothing but people queuing and apologizing. (laughs) This is very accurate. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing makes us more upset than someone flouting the unspoken rules of of the queue. But we wouldn't say anything because we're too polite. So someone like pushes in or... I don't know, someone has been saving someone else's place in the queue and then they come along. But we wouldn't be like, what are you doing? Get out. We would just like tut or something or shake our heads disapprovingly. That's usually my approach mm. when when someone uh, when someone decides <laughs> to do that. Or just my, actually what I tend to do is just very loudly talk about the situation that has happened and the person that has pushed in. So they can hear, but not to them, just to whoever else I'm with. <laughs> Like, don't you hate it when people push in? <laughs> and then I apologize. <laughs> You're all not you, though. Not you. <laughs> Other people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I never, I never push in in a queue. I take my queuing very seriously. <laughs> I feel like I'm very much like that too. I'm very British in my <laughs> yeah. adherence to rules. Yeah, same actually. Now that, now that I think about it, I actually I got cut in line at the grocery store uh, like when we first moved to Colorado, and I was so confused. I didn't say anything. Like I just I, I was so confused about why this person had done. Like I was like, we both have bills to pay. We're not we're not in school. <laughs> anymore there's no reason for this what are we doing instead you just stood and shook your head (laughs) i was i was legit just so confused that i couldn't say anything even if i wanted to like that has not happened to me since i was in school and i was just like what what is happening like, why Why did you feel the need to do this? Like, we've got mortgages and rent to pay. We're adults. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. It's the people who think that, like, for some reason, they are more important and therefore need to 
<laughs> need to push their way into the to the queue. The people who acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong, but then just do it anyway. Yeah. Got no time for that. <laughs> no. It was at the um, self-checkout, too, so she didn't get, like, a ton of, you know... She didn't, like, stick it to me. Like, the self-checkout is extremely mm. quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> did you guys have a... Sorry, this becomes a, a Q-cast. Yeah. Um, did you guys have, a, have anything anything else on this scene i mean it's it is short but a lot a lot happens in it i feel like we've covered covered a fair bit but um megan did you have anything anything else in your notes or anything else you wanted to mention yeah i have two more points one is very quick Mm -hmm. um you know related to the scene that we were just talking about where the light goes out if um i'd never noticed this before but you know after brody falls in the water and gets back up throughout the rest of the scene um there's continuity around him having um, water droplets on his glasses. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such such a great thing for them to um, to continue with in the scene. You know, for one thing, it just shows, you know, way too busy to bother um, drying off his glasses. Second thing is, it's annoying as heck to have water droplets. Like, I don't wear glasses, yeah. but like on my ski goggles, if you have some water droplets, you just can't see. So him trying yeah. to bumble around <laughs> in a boat where all this stuff has fallen to the ground and then the light goes out. Like, the man is walking around not really able to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's and very I, relatable content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that little, that little bit. Um, the other point I wanted to bring up was... Um, I have a little trouble with the scene around the physics of the shark hitting the boat repeatedly as quickly as it does. So you would think that, you know, the shark would be ramming with its nose in order to actually break the wood sides of the boat. But it happens so quickly in succession. And as I understand it, sharks can't really swim backwards. So it would take too long for the shark to do circles and repeatedly hit the boat with its nose. So it may be kind of whacking it sideways with the side of its nose, but then you wouldn't think that it would be able to, you know, bust into the wood as easily as it does. Minor point. I know this is fiction, but it just, I always bump up a little bit against it when I think about it too much. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's a good point. And I think that there's a lot of things that the shark does in this film True. that would not be what a <laughs> what a, a super what shark. a real shark would do. Yeah, a super yeah. shark. Um, I the only thing I can think to potentially explain it is that it's it's its tail kind of like bashing into the to the side of the boat. Mm. Um, I yeah. Although, yeah. I mean, it's got a barrel attached to it as well at this point, so not that it is kind of like swinging this like barrel <laughs> around like a lasso like a rodeo, but like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Give him a little cowboy yeah. hat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> yeah. Jaws yeah. are how I learned to stop worrying and love the barrel. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Sharks don't have knuckles, <clears throat> but they can yeah. swing around a barrel. <laughs> I did. Uh, that, well, I, that started off with a, a sensible explanation and then just went into chaos. Yeah, yeah. Is Potential. Usually yeah. the case. I just, <laughs> I, it's the shark from Toy Story that's like, look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Oh, I love that shark. I do too. That's uh, great. I was, I was that shark for Halloween one year. Oh my really? Gosh. Wow. Yeah. I feel okay. like picture evidence is required of this. <laughs> Oh, I don't. Um... I don't know if you guys ever watch MythBusters, but I went down mm-hmm. a rabbit hole with this, and I found that the MythBusters actually did a segment on whether a three thousand pound shark could ram a hole in a boat with its nose going at oh. full speed, and yes, it can. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I haven't seen that clip from that. Ep- they did a whole Jaws special. Um, I'll put it in the and, Discord. Yeah, yeah, and because uh, they did whether or not you can you can explode a shark with the. Uh, oh. Ooh the 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 compressed air thing you cannot mm. i think <laughs> from what i, I was gonna say Interesting. presumably not tested on a real shark because that, <laughs> <No. laughs> that would be very problematic <laughs> no no i mean um, they could have done the spielberg thing <laughs> and just demanded a shark carcass get delivered to them i suppose 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Very true. Um, <laughs> MJ, did you <laughs> did you have anything uh, anything else on this scene? No, because I can't stop watching the GIF of the howdy 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 shirt. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I have to add that is in one of the video games, the Toy Story video games, if you click on him, he puts Buzz's helmet on and says, look, everyone, I'm a spaceman. Greetings, greetings, greetings. (laughs) Oh, that's just that image I have of a little cowboy shark is really cute. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone uh, would like to draw us uh, this please do we might give you a prize (laughs) (laughs) it'll be like the the shark in handcuffs all over again there you go (laughs) that's a real throw could have a whole calendar whole calendar yes yeah (laughs) what's what's our other various uh shark shark cannons that we've come up with i mean i feel like there's been other ones but my my brain is terrible uh well there's um hereditary with sharks so, oh sure, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, the shark in the rocking chair. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna count this one just shark big, shark big. <laughs> and uh, Quint as Matilda, obviously. Quint as Matilda. Right. <laughs> just to add in some uh, some non-shark content. Um, I don't think I have anything else either because, like MJ, this is now all I can think about. So I think this is a, a good place to to leave things. Um, but thank you so much, Megan, for um, for coming on to the podcast, your very first podcast. We are honoured that you uh, have chosen chosen us uh, as your very first podcast to to appear on so if you have anything uh that you would like to plug um then now is your chance or you can just let uh, people know where they can find you on social media and stuff as well yeah nothing in particular to plug um i'm on facebook and and instagram um just as myself uh but it's been great thank you so much for having me this is so much fun um i guess i would plug if folks are interested to check out the atlantic white shark conservancy website um Mm. they also have a shark activity app for your phone where it tracks shark sightings and shark pings on um on all of the sensors that have been set up around the cape it's really cool data to look at Mm. and if anybody has twenty five hundred dollars and wants to donate it to the conservancy to name a tagged shark you can do that (gasps) very exciting i want a shark yeah (laughs) i don't have that kind of thing we should we LJ crowdfund. fan fundraise yeah yeah we can crowdfund for it and we can yes. call it yeah. cowboy shark do we get to name it yeah sort of thing. yeah yeah that's what you're paying oh for yeah you're paying to name it i'm sure there's a million sharks called bruce yeah i think there's one mm-hmm. yeah okay they don't repeat the names yeah, yeah. Oh, okay that's yeah. good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cowboy shark uh... <laughs> cowboy shark <laughs> Well, stay tuned uh, to see if we do some kind of crowdfunder for that. Um, but that sounds super interesting. I will. I'm definitely going to check out the the tracking thing. I just think that's really that's really cool, and it's great that um, things are different from <laughs> from from Jaws uh, in the real world, and sharks are not sort of you know feared like they like they were perhaps, and the you know the focus now on on conservation and tracking and everything. I think is just shows the leaps and bounds that things have come on since since then but um yeah we'll put uh maybe we'll put the link in our in our show notes and stuff for the yeah. um the atlantic white shark conserv conservance conservancy say the word yeah that's <laughs> the one <laughs> uh, uh, mj do you have anything that you <clears throat> would like to plug um yeah real perspective has an episode on tick tick boom out i think the same day uh that we're recording this andrew garfield's very good in that film um Mm -hmm. and i don't know we're gonna do an episode on west side story for sure i don't know if we're gonna do an episode on get back but uh watch that because i loved it it's my favorite thing i've seen this year uh i think hands down um Mm. which makes two years in a row that my favorite thing i've seen this year is something on disney plus which uh you know (laughs) last year was hamilton uh mm. <laughs> it is very funny because there are f-bombs all over get back and uh hamilton like censors the two that it says in three hours and that i was like wait a minute <laughs> what <laughs> um 
Anyway, yeah, watch Get Back on on Disney Plus because it's very it's very good. If you're a Beatles fan, I think you'll nerd out about it. Um, it is very long, uh, so I do hesitate to recommend an eight hour or something. But it, man, it's good. So that and Real Perspective, R E E L Perspective. Uh, if you're listening to this, you can find it on whatever platform you're listening to this on as well. So, yep. I feel like I had something else, and I don't. Oh. Um, no, it's not out. I'm recording it. Uh, do you know when our <laughs> Robcast is going to be out? I was just about to mention this. Okay. Um, I don't think it's out yet. I've just sort of had a very quick look at the latest episode. But um, yeah, we uh, were both on the movie Robcast talking about Christmas films, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, that was how the ice cream bunny first came about which was an offline conversation so don't don't go to that podcast episode expecting to hear more ice cream bunny insanity but um that was still a a, a really really fun episode um and uh, appropriate for the festive season so yeah once once that is out we'll obviously share it on our on our twitter and everywhere as well um so people can give that a listen um but yeah, uh, so for me, uh, I have been very busy <laughs> writing things recently, uh, it seems. So uh, I do sort of feature writing over at Looper and recent things that have gone up are uh, sad Christmas movies, best New Year's films to watch. Uh, I did a deep dive into Adam Driver's career as well, which was great fun. Uh, and gave me an excuse to rewatch Silence, uh, which we spoke about uh, a few episodes ago. So, so um, go and check those out. So the easiest way to find that is by going to looper.com forward slash author forward slash Sarah Buddery. And there you can find all of the stuff that I have written um, in one easy to find place. Um, call to yums. Uh, <laughs> Harley needs your yums. Uh, so if you listen back to episode 51, you can uh yeah hear hear what exactly <laughs> that means in case i sound absolutely insane um but uh yeah you can send those to harley at fundamentalspod at yahoo.com we are very excited to uh listen uh to the finished song once it is all done um, and you can be a part of that which is very very exciting so yeah you can listen back to that episode uh, which is episode 51 and then you can uh, find out what it is that you need to do we've mentioned it on a couple of, of other episodes as well but um and then you can send those over to harley and he would really appreciate that and so would we uh you can find us on twitter we are at jaws for a minute you can also find us individually i am at sarah buddery and mj is at mj smith 891 if you don't use twitter then you can email us jaws for a minute at gmail.com or you can find us on finstagram at jaws for a minute uh you can support the show in a couple of ways so you can rate review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice you can purchase our merchandise through t public and redbubble the link is in our twitter bio for that um and as always thanks to alex who is at hex ghosts on twitter for his incredible designs you can purchase our theme song um on uh kristen's instagram uh she is at kristen falls music the link is in her bio and on our twitter link tree as well um and if you would like to donate uh to us you can do that through our coffee page we have a couple of shout outs apologies if i butcher your names uh <laughs> i am quite unwell so i've been <laughs> struggling to talk for most of this episode it seems but um a big thank you to uh robin rapperport and christopher hood for their donations um we really really appreciate those yes thank you. um so a big thank you to to those guys and if you want to donate uh on our coffee page you can do that the link is in our twitter bio and you will also get a shout out and you'll be entered into a contest uh to win some merchandise as well i think that is everything uh so until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere